Doesn't seem very hopeful, does it? All this exercise, we're going to die at the end for sure. And the Christian is not just about a little spurt of help in this world for a short time. The Lord Jesus is promising here eternal life, like he did to the woman at the well in John 4.14. And he said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And that's, that's the life we have. We get a measure of it in this world. We get a sufficient supply for every need in this world. But it goes on into eternity. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. Thank you for joining with us again, and I trust that today's message will be a word of grace, saving grace, saving power to your own heart and to your life. We'll continue with the theme of Jesus, the water of life. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, saith the Lord. And so we point you to Jesus. We don't point you to ourselves. We don't point you to the church. We point you to the, the, the Savior, the head of the church, the one who died on the cross to pour out his life and his saving grace to you to save your soul that you might be born of the Spirit. And so I trust you'll stay with us right through the program today. We also have Galatians 5.11 as our text on the cross as we come next week to Easter season. We want to bring various messages on the cross. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? For then is the offense of the cross ceased. Well, that speaks for itself. The cross brings offense in this ungodly world. But today we would have you go to the cross and trust in the Savior. May the Lord bless you through his word as we let the Bible speak. And so it is a direct one-to-one -one personal faith relationship with the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. Do you have that? That's the imperative. Christianity is not merely a religion. It is a person. Christ Jesus. Is he your personal Savior? That's the imperative. That's vital to have spiritual life. Now, as I say, we pick these verses apart. We go on to notice how the Lord Jesus said this is substantial because he said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, that could be translated heart. Out of his heart, out of his inner being will flow this living water. Now, this gospel <laughs> is God's remedy to our separation from God. And if I use the plumbing analogy, when you become a Christian, you get plumbed into God. All the grace of God, all the love of God, all the, the wonder of God flows into your life. You have an infinite resource. Out of your inner being, will flow rivers of living water. This is very dramatic language to display the grace that flows from the fullness of God into your life, and then there's an overflow that changes your life 
and makes you a blessing to many others. Now, until you are linked up with God, reconciled to him, and that's what Christ does. Jesus is the mediator. He's the bridge between a holy God and our soul. He's the one who makes us to be at one with God. And that's the miracle. When you're linked up with God, you have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and they flow into your life. You see, the gospel is not just about washing away your sins of the past. It is that. It must be that. And that's wonderful and powerful. It's the beginning of our life in God. But it is much more. It is a new life. It is a life of fullness. It's a life of supply. It's a life of joy. It's a life of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a life of the, the love of God dwelling, flowing within our hearts. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's, that's the syllogism of the gospel. You need peace. You need to be right with God. Then be justified by faith, and you have. The result will be you have peace with God. Now, this is a very sufficient supply. Out of our belly, our inner being, shall flow rivers. Rivers. Now, these are not my words. These are the words of the Son of God. He stood on that day in Jerusalem to this great crowd, and he talked in these terms. Out of your inner being, your belly, shall flow rivers of living water. What abundance is here. What abundance. And we wonder, how can it be? Well, I'm in a very happy position today because I don't have to tell you the meaning of this. You can read it yourself right in the next verse. And you'll notice how the uh, translators have used the, the bracket system, that verse 39 is a divine comment on verse 38. This rather dramatic language, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water, verse 39 gives us the divine commentary. But this spake he of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And what he is saying is that when he has finished his work of redemption, when he has purchased all benefits and gifts for his people, there will flow to believers such supplies of grace that will meet each and every need. Overflowing, overflowing. That means it will do more than just save your soul by the skin of your teeth. It'll do much more than just make you a Christian in name. It will make you a new person that out of your life will flow such new grace that you'll be a living witness and a powerful demonstration of what the gospel can do. And your life will become a blessing to others. Do you ever pray, Lord, let there be an overflow in my life? Let my Christian life have an overflow? What a great thing to pray. And here's the basis for it. Here is the, the promise that in your life, you're not to go through life as a dry stick. You're not to go through life prayerless and empty and, and, and dissatisfied, disgruntled. No, your life is to be a life of joy. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 
uh, that my joy might remain in you. And this is what the gospel does. And this is what the Lord does for his own people. Now, rivers of living water. Now, we live here in Vancouver area uh, at the mouth of one of the great rivers of the world. It travels hundreds and hundreds of miles. I think it starts in Mount Robson as it flows all the way, uh, draining this vast province of British Columbia right out here to, uh, to Vancouver. Did you ever see the Fraser River dry? Did you ever see it low? Now, it does rise and falls at times, but rivers of living water. Now, living water is fresh water. It's not stagnant. It's not stuck. It's flowing, vital, bringing life with it. And that's what the Lord does for us. Now, if you're not enjoying that today, you've got some praying to do. You've got to ask the Lord, restore to me the joy. And I know life is hard, and it throws many curves at us that we never expected. And there are bitter things for the Christian in this world, just as there were in the wilderness for God's people. But God supplies the grace. And as he said to Paul the apostle, my grace is sufficient for thee. For Paul, that was some form of illness or limitation in the body. And it happens to us too. We have medical problems and physical issues. We, have, we wonder, why did God do this to me? But the Lord can make us people marvelous overcomers. And of course, this is really eternal life. It doesn't stop in this world. It doesn't stop leading us eventually just to a grave. I, I think of the depressing statement, uh, someone who was into the fitness world, he says, everybody should, should work out one hour a day, six days a week until the day you die. Doesn't seem very hopeful, does it? All this exercise, we're going to die at the end for sure. And the Christian is not just about a little spurt of help in this world for a short time. The Lord Jesus is promising here eternal life. Like he did to the woman at the well in John 4.14, and he said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And that's, that's the life we have. We get a measure of it in this world. We get a sufficient supply for every need in this world. But it goes on into eternity. And that is the abundant supply of this grace. Now, I want to come to, as I said, we're going to deal with this textually, just, just looking at every word and every little statement, and you look at the text in itself. Now, I want you to, us to look at the way thirsty souls come to Christ, because here's the invitation. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The first thing that you must do is confessing your thirst confessing your thirst. That is all the Lord requires. There are some preachers, theologians, and so on, and they say, well, you have to have this measure of repentance. You have to be this measure of sorrow before you can come to faith in the Lord. You have to go through this experience or that experience and change this or change that. The Lord simply says, if you thirst, 
if you thirst. And if you think of the last gospel text in the Bible, Revelation 22:17, it's the exact same invitation, if any man thirst. And if you're thirsty today, if you are weary of the vanity of this world and realize you need life that will truly satisfy your soul, you're invited, if any man thirst. And today, as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, only thing I need to ask you is, are you thirsty in soul? You can say, yes, I'm thirsty. I need, I need to be saved. I need to be right with God. I need God's blessing so desperately. Then come, come. And this is how you come, confessing your thirst. Then also I see here, and again, I'm just looking at the words, come believing. And it says here in verse 37, um, John 7, verse 37, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And then that's linked into he that believeth on me. So can you see here that the coming and the believing are twins? They go together. The believing might be your mental saying yes, but the coming is the action of obeying. You cannot say, I believe, but I've never come. You don't really believe until you come. If you've never come to the Lord Jesus personally and asked him to be your Savior, you cannot say you're saved. You cannot say you're a Christian. You cannot say that you have received of his supply of grace because it is not only faith, it is your personal coming, the act of reaching out and taking the supply that the Lord gives. And so faith is the act of trusting. But unbelief dishonors the Lord. And if your heart today is filled with unbelief, and maybe there's someone here today, and you're saying, well, I can't be a believer. I just can't get my head around this, and I can't take it in, and, and, and I can't do it. Then you remain in unbelief. You remain doubting, denying, and rejecting the invitation of the Lord Jesus. And on that great day at the end, those that are unbelieving will be cast out. They have not received the Lord nor his grace. And so I plead with you today to be done with your doubt. Doubt will damn you. It is faith that will save you. Faith that translates to a personal coming. And then another thing, come with the invitation in hand. You know, when you go to a great event, maybe, I don't know, say the, the queen was coming to uh, Queen's Park or somewhere, uh, Queen Elizabeth Park in Vancouver. It was a great event, and somehow you got an invitation mailed to you. If you were going to attend that event, the one thing you would be sure to do is to bring the invitation with you. Because if you don't have that, you may not get in. And when the attendant's at the gate, uh, allowing the people in, he'll be looking for the invitation. Well, bring the invitation in hand. Cut out this verse if you need to. Mark it, write it out, and say, Lord, I'm coming, and here's the invitation that you gave me. That is taking the Lord at his word, and he will never deny himself. He says, all that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's the gospel. That's the great invitation that you're given. 
and you simply say that you're invited, and you simply come taking that statement and rejoicing in it. I want to finish with a little account of a man who was very troubled in heart about his soul. He had a praying wife, a wife that no doubt loved the Lord and prayed for him. And he came under conviction of sin, the burden and weight that he was not right with God, and he had no peace with God. One evening, his wife was going out, and she left him in care of their three-year-old daughter. And when he was alone with her, he was very agitated. He would walk in the room, back and forth, thinking over these things. And his little girl said to him, Pa, what's wrong with you? Why are you so troubled? And he brushed it off and said, It's nothing, whatever, not thinking that a little girl could understand anything. And then, as if it was the voice of God through this little girl, she said, Pa, if you were thirsty, would you not just go and get a drink? And it was just like an arrow to his heart. It's as simple as that. If you're thirsty, come and drink. You can't mull it over. You can't walk it off. You can't live in this agitation. Come, receive, be saved, and there will be a, a new life flowing into your inner being that will satisfy you. And when you go to the Bible, God will talk to you. And when you go to prayer, God will hear you. And when you fellowship with God's people, you'll know the blessing. You'll know you'll be amongst the people that have the joyful sound. And what a wonderful thing to be amongst Christians who are all drinkers of the Savior who gives the water of life. As we come to this table today, we're going to do that. We're going to be uniting together, taking this cup and bread, and saying, Lord, you're the one that supplies every spiritual need in my life, whether it is cleansing from sin, whether it is contentment of heart, or faith to believe all the promises and all the blessings and all the glory that is yet to come, eternal life. That's the wonder of it all. So I trust today that each one of us will participate with hearts full of faith and we will unite together to worship Him. We may sound the depths of all the mighty oceans. We may tell the distance to the farthest star. But the mighty love of God cannot be measured. Its dimensions are so high, so deep, so far. This love is mine, I cannot comprehend it. This love revealed in Christ my Lord divine when on the tree he died for me God's wondrous glorious mighty love this love is mine
there's love in every golden sunset I can see it in the beauty of a flower And I feel it in my heart Since Jesus touched me And redeemed me by his wonder-working Thank him face to face in glory When with all the millions at his feet I fall And through countless ages there I'll live rejoicing Sing forever at the wonder of it all this love is mine, I cannot comprehend it. This love revealed in Christ, my Lord divine. When on the tree he died for me, God's wondrous Glorious, mighty love, this love is mine. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. I trust that the Lord has already stirred your heart and drawn nigh to help you and bless you in your Christian life as you seek to walk with him or in your search to know the Savior and his so great salvation. We come here to our cross text today. Galatians 5.11, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. The cross of Christ brought tension and offense, especially to the Jewish people. Their minds were so set on keeping the law of Moses. They were fixated upon the ceremonies of the Old Testament that made them covenant people, and the foremost was circumcision. Paul was in that state of mind himself, and before his conversion, with own untold zeal, he persecuted those who loved the cross of Christ. But now his preaching was offensive, for he dropped the idea that man can be saved by ritual or ceremony, whether in cup or in body. He brought something that was radically different to their hearts. He brought them to look upon the death of Jesus hanging on a Roman cross. The thing that was abhorrent to human nature and to the Bible-taught Jew was the sight of a man hanging on a cross. Then to preach that this was God's way of saving men from the shame of sin was to pour salt into the very wounds of the deeply offended. But it was the boldness by which Paul preached the cross in spite of the offense, 
and the division he was willing for it to cut into friendships and community life that shows how vital it is to God's program of salvation. If this was a thing indifferent, a thing neither here nor there, then Paul would have dropped this hot potato. But he didn't, for he couldn't. This was a matter of life and death, of heaven and hell. It is the difference between orthodoxy and heresy. For this, Paul was willing to suffer the greatest opposition of men, even persecution unto death. Paul literally had to suffer the loss of all things and count them but dung that he might have Christ and his righteousness. The law cannot save and ceremonies cannot save, but there is power in the death of Jesus and in his atoning blood shed that day at Calvary. Yes, there is power to redeem God's people in the blood of Jesus, the crucified Savior. Believers in the cross know of its power. It has power to wash their hearts white as snow. It has power to cure the guilty conscience. And it has power to bring the Holy Spirit's sweet ministry into the heart, bestowing all the fruits of salvation, love, joy, peace. Come, therefore, to the cross. No matter the persecution the cross brings to your life, it is a must to save your soul. Without it, you will perish. But with it, you are saved for all eternity. Let me plead with you today concerning your own soul. You will live in this world just once, and it's a short little time. Whatever it costs to take up the cross and be a disciple of Christ will be well worth it in eternity. You may suffer the offense of the cross here, but you will earn the glory of the cross there. Men here may despise you, but God will save your soul, and you will earn that eternal riches in heaven, in that home in glory. The choice is yours, but you are called, invited, commanded, pleaded with, and I give you my heart today that Jesus is standing by waiting on your answer. Will you trust him? Will you come to the cross today and be saved? This is the reason for believing today that you might be saved. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. And where the cross is preached, the offense will never cease. But you, through faith in Jesus as the crucified Savior, will have heaven in your soul, and your soul will one day be in heaven. May God save you today and bring you to the cross. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, 
as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music